And now it's time for On The Money with your host, Dan White. Dan has been in the financial services industry for over 25 years, and he's been a featured expert in Forbes, Yahoo, the Philadelphia Business Journal, Dow Jones Market Watch, and has appeared nationally on Fox Business News. Dan is a member of some of the most prestigious financial organizations, including the Society of Financial Service Professionals and the National Association of Insurance and Financial Advisors. In addition, he's a chartered life underwriter and a chartered financial consultant, credentials you can trust. Broadcasting from the heart of Wilmington, Delaware, here's your host of On The Money, Dan White. A mountain climbing analogy is useful for clarifying the distinction between accumulating money for retirement and distribution, as the goal ultimately of climbing a mountain is not just to make it to the top, it's also necessary to get back down. The skill set required to get down a mountain is not the same as that needed to reach the summit. In fact, an experienced mountain climber knows that it is more treacherous and dangerous to climb down a mountain. On the way down, climbers must deal with greater fatigue. They risk falling further and with greater acceleration when facing a downslope compared to an upslope. And the way our bodies are designed makes going up easier than coming down. The retirement phase, when you are pulling money from your accounts rather than accumulating wealth, is much like descending a mountain. The objective of a retirement saver is not just to make it to the top of the mountain, which we could view as achieving a wealth accumulation target. The real objective is to safely and smoothly make it down the mountain, spending assets in a sustainable manner. Welcome to the On The Money Show. My name is Dan White, and I am the host of your show. This morning, we're going to talk about the problems that uh, people face in retirement and really how retirement has changed over the last 40 years. Uh, We're going to dig dig into that today. Before we get into the program, I do have a couple announcements. I want to wish everybody, uh, you know, Pearl Harbor Day is December the 7th, so I want to remind people of that day. It's kind of the... uh, you know, we have 9-11, but before we had 9-11, we had Pearl Harbor Day. So take a moment and be thankful for all the veterans that served uh, in the military. We also have a giveaway today. We have a guest on our show who I'm going to introduce in a moment. Uh, but he wrote a new book called Retirement Planning Guidebook, and we have that as a giveaway today. So if you'd like to get a copy of Wade Fowle's new book, Retirement Planning Guidebook, a very easy to read, and, and it really delves into different strategies that people can use then by all means, pick up the phone and give us a call. You can reach us toll-free at 888-690-8820, 888-690-8820. In Pennsylvania, it's a local call, 610-358-8942, 610-358-8942. We have one upcoming event. This is our last retirement planning dinner seminar of 2021, Tuesday the 9th at 5.30 p.m., Uh, We're going to be out at uh, Roma Italian Restaurant down in Dover, Delaware, doing our very popular retirement uh, problems and solutions program. So if you'd like to come out to that event, uh, by all means, pick up the phone and give us a call. It is my great pleasure today to welcome on the show uh, Dr. Wade Fowle. He is the founder of Retirement Researcher, where his latest book, The Retirement Planning Guidebook, can be found. He is the Professor of Retirement Income at the American College of Financial Services and the Director of Retirement Research for McLean Asset Management and InStream. 
Wade earned a Ph.D. in economics from Princeton University in 2003 with a dissertation about Social Security reform and became a CFA charter holder in 2011. Wade also published his book, The Retirement Planning Guidebook, to help guide you along the path to a successful and sustainable retirement by providing modern, sound academic research. Wade, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Dan. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to have you on. I know you bring a wealth of knowledge. And what, what I thought we would talk about, and you're going to be on next week as well, so I thought how we would break this out is let's talk about some of the problems facing retirees today and really how, how retirement has changed over the last 40 years. And then next week we'll talk about some of the strategies that you outline in your book as to how we deal with this. But when we talk about how retirement has changed, I mean, you, talk, you look at all the changes over the last 40 years, and retirement is really one of them. You know, going back to 1980, I mean, I think most people back then worked for the same employer their entire career. I mean, that's just not the case today, is it? Increasingly, no. No, people are changing jobs much more frequently. Yeah, I once heard that uh, I think the average person works for seven, di- seven different companies throughout their working career. And the other, one other change that happened uh, 40 years ago, uh, most families were one-income families. You know, now you have... Uh, you pretty much have dual incomes across the board. You would think that would make it easier for people to, to save money for retirement. Yeah, you would think so. It's, but I think a, a lot of pressures on households these days make it make it challenging. Yeah, it is, and things have certainly gotten more expensive. Uh, another challenge that we face today. I mean, and this we talked about. You know, the the guarantee. You know, the three legged stool, if you will. You know, where you had pensions and you had Social Security and then you had personal savings. Well. Again, pension plans 40 years ago covered over half of the working public, and today, I don't, I don't know what the exact figure is, but we don't have that many pension plans around today, do we? No, and that's like, really, retirement was a late 20th century phenomenon when pension systems developed and people could spend a career at one employer, and then as one of the benefits of that, they now have a protected lifetime income that. Would, they didn't have to take any sort of risk or figure out how to invest. They had the company pension that's increasingly not available today. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I tell people all the time, you have it on the public sector uh, with the government pensions, but not so much on the private sectors anymore. Another change that we've seen in the last uh, last 40 years is Social Security. You know, I think most people 40 years ago probably took Social Security as early as possible, probably at age 62, because face it, life expectancies back then were only up to about 73 years old. Uh huh. Yeah, and we have seen a big change there where increasingly people are claiming in a more strategic manner, but it was about half of the population would claim at 62, and that number's come down quite a bit over the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah, people are delaying Social Security. Yeah, it's really become kind of a cottage industry. I mean, we pride ourselves, you know, we do Social Security analysis for people. That was, that was kind of unheard of 40 years ago because people... As you said, they just took it early because life expectancies weren't really that long. The other thing that's happened is, uh, and this is really when you mention risk in retirement, people didn't really have the risk that they have today back then because, again, as you say, there was a, there was pension plans, you had Social Security, and I and I Googled this and I looked up some rates from back then. Taxable money market funds in 1980 were paying 12.68 percent. A little different today, huh? Yeah, and that's a big change, right? That's where, in a world where interest rates are as low as they are and you may only be looking at 
anywhere from a half a percent to a few percent from bonds. If you're trying to live off of that income, that makes retirement increasingly much more expensive than in the past. And then compounding that as well, just people are living longer today. So at the same time, their investments are not yielding much and they have to support retirement spending over an even longer time horizon of potentially even 30 or more years if they're retiring in their 60s. Yeah, that's a that's a great point, and and it's kind of interesting, like you said, when interest rates. Were, I, I mean, I remember my parents. You know, they had the, the Delaware Cash Reserve money market, and it was paying about eleven percent. I mean, it wasn't real, real tough to find yield back in the eighties. But uh, again, the forty-year bull market in bonds is kind of over. You know, because interest rates have pretty much been falling for the last forty years. Mm-hmm. And then it's also the the real interest rate of what are you getting before the impact of inflation and. That was much higher in the past as well, 2 3 even 4%. And now it's entirely negative. You can't really safely keep up with inflation if yeah. you're trying to use a, a treasury inflation-protected security. It's true. I mean, uh, exactly as you said, the real rate of return is really, really falling negative as we speak. I mean, you're talking, you know, 0 to 0.5% on safe money and what they just came out with the inflation figure of over 6%. And I think you would agree with me that they're announcing inflation is 6%, but if they went back to the way they calculated inflation back in the 70s and the 80s, it's probably closer to about 15% today. It could be. Yeah, they're always looking for ways to try to <laughs> make sure that it doesn't look as high as it might be. for. And everyone's got a different spending situation, but a, a lot of people will feel that their personal inflation rate is much higher than the government statistics. Yeah, and I think retirees are feeling that as well because you you think about it, you know, what's what goes up drastically for retirees in retirement? That's health care. Um, you're going to face more of your health care costs during your retirement years than probably all the years before that. And health care costs, we know, are generally always running higher than the inflation rate the government tells us. Yeah, yeah, and even for next year, the Part B Medicare premiums are getting a big jump well in excess of the inflation rate. Right, right. The other thing that happened, you know, is as these interest rates have dropped going back to from uh, from 1980, like I said, 12, 13 percent down to where they are today. This is really where we've seen the explosion in the mutual fund industry. I did some research, and in 1980, we had 2.5 trillion dollars in mutual funds, and in 2019, there was 83.5 trillion dollars in mutual funds. So. I think as we've seen the the interest rates drop, this is really where we've seen the explosion in the investment vehicles. Mm-hmm. And that's part of that too is just that decline of the traditional pension to the defined contribution 401k world, where instead of having the government take on all the longevity and market risk, you were responsible for managing your own investment portfolio and choosing a mutual fund investment vehicles to do that. So it's yeah, concurrently, that huge growth. Yeah, and how many people are really qualified to manage their own money today? Well, it, it takes a lot of basic knowledge, and that's you know, we do have this issue with financial literacy in the United States. People can definitely use a better understanding of long-term investing. It's just our, our brains are not wired to be long-term investors. We're used to reacting instinctively and quickly to any sort of danger. And when you see a stock market downturn, the best thing to do is really nothing, but we're not wired that way. We're wired to react and to panic and to 
to do the worst possible thing from the long-term perspective. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think Dalbar actually has, uh, you know, done studies on that where if the, the average return in a mutual fund's around 10%, the average investor usually only gets about three because, as you say, the emotions take over and they make poor decisions at the wrong time. Let me give you our phone numbers toll-free. You can reach us at 888-690-8820. Again, 888-690-8820. In Pennsylvania, it's a local call, 610-358-8942, 610-358-8942. This morning, we're talking about how retirement has really changed in the last 40 years. We have Dr. Wade Fowl on the line with us today, and we'll have more with him after the break. If you're within 5 to 10 years of retirement, this message is for you. There's never been a bigger disconnect between Wall Street and Main Street. Unemployment over 15%. Unprecedented federal stimulus. Wall Street has never been more volatile. If there was a vehicle that credited you 7% up front, then grew your nest egg by 6 to 7% a year, guaranteed for the next 5 to 10 years before turning into an income stream that you cannot outlive, would you want to know about it. Call Dan White and Associates now for details. 888-690-8820. Surrender charges and other restrictions may apply. Welcome back to the On The Money Show. My name is Dan White and I am the host of your show. If you've been listening, you you recognize we have Dr. Wade Fowl on the line with us today. Uh, he took some time out of his busy schedule to come on the program. We're happy he did because he brings a wealth of knowledge uh, as far as the problems that people are facing in retirement today. Thanks for being on again, Wade. My pleasure. <laughs> so before the break, we were talking about all the changes that have occurred in the last 40 years. And, you know, in particular, we talked about the three-legged stool where it was really solid. You know, people had uh, the pension. They put in 40 years. They had the, the, the dinner, and they, they got the gold watch. And, hey, the pension starts on Monday, you know. And then they, they, they ran down the Social Security office at 62 and said, here I am, sign me up because I'm probably only going to be here about another 10 years. And then they had their personal savings, and that was a walk in the park, too, because back then, you know, CDs and money market funds were in the 12 to 13% range. So the stool looked really, really solid, but not so much today. Talk a little bit about some of the problems that uh, people face today as opposed to 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that big difference is the pension. The employer would pool the risk the individuals face. Like, as an individual, I don't know how long I'm going to live I don't know what type of market returns I'll experience during the specific years that I'm retired. And there's this idea of sequence of returns risk that if there's a market downturn early in retirement, that can have a huge impact on the sustainability of a retirement plan. But with the company pension, you didn't have to worry about that because they could pull that risk. They have a a lot of workers. Some people won't live so long. Some people will live a very long time. And then over time, they have people retiring in different years. Some people might get a bad sequence of returns. Some people might get a good sequence of returns. But the the pension could base everything on averages, an average rate of return for an average life expectancy. And that makes the retirement planning much easier than if I'm, as an individual, trying to now manage this with a 401k plan. I don't know what market returns I'm going to get. I don't know how long I'm going to live. And if I'm worried I might outlive my money in retirement, I have to behave in a more conservative manner. I have to assume low returns, and I have to assume I'm going to live a long time, which, is, of course, is great. It's just more expensive to fund a long retirement. Yeah, and that's you, the challenge now with interest rates so low, too. Yeah, yeah you kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, I, you know, it's funny when you ask people what their, their biggest fear in retirement is. You know, more, I think more people are afraid of running out of money than actually dying, which is kind of kind of scary in itself. Uh, they'd rather they'd rather be dead than broke. <laughs> 
which is kind of funny. But but you talked about uh, you know the shift from defined benefit plans where the employer provided the pension to the defined contribution plans, the four hundred one k plans. And we all know the reason for this, because when you look at a defined benefit plan, I mean, who's in charge of putting the money in? The employer. Who's in charge of investing the money? The employer. So who's taking all the risks? The employer was taking all the risks. Now they've transferred that risk to the employee, because in a 401k plan, the employee's got to put the money in. The employee's got to manage the investment. So they're taking all the risk. And I guess, you know, when, when the first 401k plan came out, it was never supposed to replace the pension. It was supposed to be a supplemental plan. Well, that isn't the case today, is it? No, no, it ended up replacing the traditional pension because employers didn't want to take that risk. And so they found a way to, it really pensions developed like during the World War II era as a way to, when there were controls on how high wages could go, you could give these employer benefits. And eventually they realized maybe it's not the best type of benefit to provide so they found a way to shift away from that world of the traditional defined benefit pension yeah and it's it's kind of sad because again with the with the db plans the defined benefit plans you know you actually had professionals that were managing those portfolios and managing that risk and now transferring it to the individual you know like i said earlier i don't know a whole lot of people that are really equipped to to manage their own money because, again, emotions get in the way and they tend to make poor decisions at bad times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just not really efficient to have every individual needing to become an investment expert. Right, and that's really what it's boiled down to today. So one other thing that I wanted to talk about is, you know, when you talk about pensions, and again, fewer and fewer people have them, we know... Uh, we know the government has them, and we know some uh, private companies still have them. But when you talk about pension funding today, because we always hear the stories. We know some of the airline pensions have gone belly up here in Pennsylvania. You know the steel industries. You know your your Lucan Steel and all that. The pensions went belly up. They got taken over by the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corp, the PBGC. And what? How how safe, if you did have a pension today, how safe would you feel with that pension? Because I know the... Uh, the investment professionals are saying, well, stocks average 8 to 10% and bonds average 4 to 5%. We're going to base our funding on about a 7% rate of return. Is that realistic in today's environment? It's really not. Like, It's not impossible for that to happen, but it's not likely at the same time. And really, it's very the, the assumptions are very sensitive. Like Small changes in the rate of return can have such a huge impact on whether or not the plan looks sustainable. So if the plan will only work with a 7% return over the long term and you end up earning 6.5% even, that could make a huge difference in when the pension funds might deplete. And so it is very much a concern that historically interest rates were much higher than they are the present. And I think people just extrapolate and think bonds can earn 4 or 5% in the future when really mathematically that's not possible. Interest rates are so low the only way that a bond return can exceed its yield is if interest rates fall further. But there's not that much further that interest rates can fall. And so it's really hard to sustain that type of higher interest rate assumption that still so many, not only pension funds, but just even a lot of the retirement planning software tools out there 
they, they're assuming unrealistic returns that again they're not it's not impossible but it's not as likely as one might think to yeah you, you have say that you say it's not impossible but I mean think about it you know even the four to five percent or even higher returns that you saw on bonds over the last 40 years probably over half of that return came from the capital gains because you know as as interest rates go down the bond prices go up and and that's where you're seeing the capital gains. Hard to believe you're going to see any capital gains on bonds. I mean, you might have negative returns on bonds over the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. So since the early 1980s, interest rates have been falling, and that gives a boost to the bond returns. The bond returns will be higher when interest rates go down. But now it's kind of the opposite scenario. Interest rates are about as low as they can go if they go up. And no one really can predict future interest rates. But to the extent that they do go up again, that will mean the reverse, the losses that the bond returns will fall below the, the currently low interest rates. Yeah, then that's going to be a problem. The other problem that I see with these pension assumptions is, again, let's say they're looking at 8 to 10% on stock returns, and that, you know, over the long run, that might be true. But, I mean, when you look at valuations on the market today, I mean, every, every metric you look at, whether you're looking at the CAPE ratio or you're looking at the Buffett indicator, they're all at stratospheric levels. They're all at nosebleed levels. It's hard to believe that the next 10 years in the market are going to give us the returns the last 10 years did. Right. It's not impossible again, but it is a much more challenging environment to sustain those high stock market returns from today's starting point. We've had such a great run in the stock market, and to continue to extrapolate that into the future is it's a challenging assumption that people should be cautious about if their retirement is going to depend on it. Yeah, I mean, people have that short-term bias, I find, it, you know, or what do, what do we call it, recency bias. So, you know, what happened in the past is going to continue into the future. And, you know, I think back to the, you know, the late 90s and the early 2000s, you know, the dot-com bubble, you know, where people were actually running illustrations and running assumptions at 10%, 12% because, you know, your mutual funds were getting 18%, 20% a year. Um, but, but again, it, it doesn't last forever. And when you revert to the mean, so to speak, uh, it's, I don't think it's real, real, realistic to think you're going to get those kind of returns over the next 10 to 20 years. Mm-hmm. It would be an unexpectedly pleasant surprise to happen, <laughs> but it should not be assumed. <laughs> yes, I, I believe that as well. The other thing, we talked about Social Security, and, and you talked about how people are, are becoming more uh, cognizant of the fact that, hey, maybe they ought to hold off on Social Security longer um, but what do you say to people that, you know, um, you know, you talk about longevity and you say, yeah, the average, you know, the average person is going to live to 85 today. And if you're a married couple, 65, you know, there's a good chance one of you might make it to 90, 95. Um, what do you say to people who say, uh, yeah, but you know what, who cares if I have money when I'm 95, you know, I want, I want to have that money coming in when I can actually, you know, enjoy it and spend it. And they kind of take that, again, short-term mentality instead of looking at it over the long term. What would you say to folks like about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that can be scary in practice, but the reality is the, the benefit of delaying Social Security is so strong that it can actually increase your lifetime standard of living, and you can go ahead and spend more early in retirement from your investment assets. So for a while, your investments might fall short of where they would have otherwise been if you claimed early. But once you get past 70 and you're getting a 76 to, yeah, 76 to 77% higher benefit from Social Security, inflation adjusted for the rest of both your life and your survivor's life, 
that you now have such lower pressure on your other investments that over the whole retirement, you can enjoy a higher standard of living and you can actually get a better enjoyment out of those early retirement years. Now, it's scary because you're going to spend more aggressively from your investments, but that's justified because the later increase in Social Security benefits that you'll get will more than compensate for that short-term spending you're doing. Yeah, I think that just goes, and we'll talk about this more uh, next week when when you come back on the show, but I think it just goes toward that whole you know, building a floor of guaranteed income, whether it's coming from Social Security, pensions, annuities, uh, and it allows you, you know, when you have that floor, to be a little more aggressive with your investments. Let me give you our phone numbers. Toll free, you can reach us at 888-690-8820. Again, 888-690-8820. In Pennsylvania, it's a local call, 610-358-8942, 610-358-8942. This morning, we've had Dr. Wade Fallon. We've been talking about how retirement has really changed and shifted over the last 40 years. He is going to join us next week to talk about strategies we can use to uh, alleviate some of these concerns we talked about today. Wade, thanks for being on again today, and we'll talk to you next week. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of their respective parties and not those of this show's producers or this station. Join us again for more On the Money 